the name of Jesus, amen. So as we've been talking about already, today's a big day. Uh, today our eighth graders get to come up and join us in receiving the body and blood of Jesus in Holy Communion. Uh, today is also the start of our four-week Connect series called The Resistance. And as we start that off, uh, we're going to be taking a, a special look at the Reformation, about how God used Martin Luther to to restore the the gospel, the the saving news of salvation by grace alone, through faith, just to say, through Christ alone, uh, to the church, to the world. Um, As we get going here, I also want to bring your attention to something else, and that is uh, that we have moved the sermon outline to your insert. So could you get that out with me for a second? Um, So you have your sermon outline here. The the outline itself really isn't that much different from from what we normally have as our sermon outline, Uh, but we're hoping that that you can maybe use this, um, if you haven't been in the past, that you can maybe start using this during the service. There's a few blanks today, for instance, you can fill in, write down some Bible passages that are referenced, use it however uh, is most helpful to you. But then we're also hoping that you can take this home with you and uh, make use of it, kind of reflect back on the message from from this week uh, sometime later on, and uh, maybe even take some of the notes you have here, put them in your Bible, things like that. On the other side, uh, we have something that, that I've put together that can hopefully take the message and the theme for today throughout the rest of the week. So we've got some questions there that, that we'll dig a little bit deeper into the topic for today that, that you can use either uh, yourself in your personal devotions or, or maybe share with your family. Uh, several Bible passages Uh, that you can look up and and study together this week. Uh, This week, they're all pretty heavily Reformation-themed. And then a prayer challenge at the bottom. So so we hope that you'll make use of that, uh, maybe in some new ways, and that that can be a blessing to you. So, the resistance. Now, when you you hear resistance, what comes to mind? Uh, Some of the more scientifically-minded ones of us might think of something like that. Tell the people laughing are the ones who, who understand that. Uh, we're not really going to be talking about that, though, so I hope it doesn't disappoint you too much. Uh, those of you who are history buffs or, or maybe movie buffs might be thinking more along these lines. And um, yeah, that's right. And that, that's a little closer to where we're, we're heading, uh, but we're not talking about that sort of thing necessarily either. Now, today, at least, we're going to be talking about the Reformation. And so what we'll be discussing today actually looks a little bit more like this. Now, if you didn't know already, uh, you learned in our kickoff video that that the man standing there alone is Martin Luther. By all accounts, he's one of the most important people ever to have lived. In fact, just a few years ago, A&E's biography listed him as the third most influential person in the last millennium, uh, coming in just behind Johannes Gutenberg with his printing press and Isaac Newton. I think an apple fell on him or something. Um, so Martin Luther is, is incredibly important uh, for many reasons due to what happened here. So this painting depicts his trial um, in the city of Worms uh, where he makes this bold stand against the emperor, against the pope, um, against pretty much every authority in existence except for God. Now a great risk to himself Luther had the courage to speak truth to power, a power that had every ability to completely destroy him. 
Just a century earlier, almost to the very year and day, a man by the name of Jan Hus had said basically the same things that Luther was saying here, and Hus was summarily burned at the stake for rebelling or questioning the authority of the Pope and the councils of the Roman Catholic Church. Well, by God's grace, Luther lived on, and his boldness ignited a revolution. Now, many people, maybe most scholars, would say that it all started on October 31st, 1517, hence Reformation Day, when Martin Luther posted his 95 theses. Now, these were topics of discussion that that Luther wanted to to have the church talk about, uh, things that he perceived to be uh, harmful or or unbiblical practices in the church, uh, primarily the practice of selling indulgences. Now, this practice had started back in the Crusades, uh, where the church told people that if they went off to fight against the enemies of Christ, uh, they would receive uh, for their, their fighting an indulgence, a slip of paper that would entitle them to a certain amount of time off of purgatory, which was the place that the church at the time said you had to go after you died to pay off any final sins before you made it to heaven. Now, by Luther's time, the church uh, was actually selling these indulgences to help finance the building of of St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. So, in Luther's day and and a little before, you you could either earn God's grace by fighting for Jesus, or you could buy God's grace by giving money to the church. There was a really big problem with this. The thing about grace is it cannot be earned or bought. The moment it does, it ceases to be grace because grace is a gift. So Luther protests against this practice and he actually expected to be heard by the church and was fairly sure that when the Pope and the leaders of the church discovered what was happening and really thought about this, the practice would be reversed. Well, as we know, instead he is labeled a a rebel and a heretic, and he's excommunicated from the church by the Pope himself. And so at Worms, he refuses to give in because he is captive to the word of God alone, even to the point of death. Luther never intended to spark a resistance movement, but his bold stand did just that, because as it turned out, the real fight was against Satan and his agenda and this man-made synthetic salvation that had infiltrated the church, a salvation that that was counterfeit because it ran counter to the word of God. And so began the Reformation, and and with it, this group of Christians that would would come to be known as Lutherans, revolutionaries with no intent to revolt, resistance fighters who wanted to remain subservient to the authority of the church but had no choice but to obey God rather than men. There's this book written by a famous Reformation scholar called Obedient Rebels, because the early Lutherans were just that. They were those who deeply desired peace and harmony in the church, but who were forced to rebel against the power of the church, because the church had rebelled against Christ. So when we celebrate Reformation Day as Lutherans, we would do well to keep this in mind. We don't go around flaunting our insurgency or or mocking those who don't agree with us. 
We should strive to be obedient rebels, never obeying for obedience's sake when the word of God is being ignored, but also not seeking to cause offense or, or to disrespect authority. We may very well encounter the need to be revolutionaries, but never for revolution's sake, always for the sake of the gospel, but then, no matter the cost. There's this incredible scene in, in the most recent Luther movie, uh, it was like 13 years ago, but it's still quite good. Um, and this scene illustrates this all very perfectly. Uh, the year is 1530, so nine years after uh, Luther made his bold stand and, and was declared an outlaw. So Charles V, the, the emperor who had summoned Luther before, has now summoned some of the Lutheran princes to Augsburg. And when they arrive, he demands that they stop their pastors from preaching the good news of grace by faith alone, and he commands them to join in the Corpus Christi procession in the Roman Mass while they're in town. And uh, here's how they responded to that. We will not, my lord. You will! Are you saying on my soul? Before I let anyone take from me the word of God and ask me to deny my belief, I will kneel and let him strike off my head. have drawn up a confession of our faith, which I believe you will find blameless. When I first saw this movie a while back and reflecting back on it, I, I was pretty sure that was kind of Hollywood adding in some drama, you know, like the slow clap, all the princes one by one come and kneel, um, and that the line was probably exaggerated or something like that. But just this past week, I was uh, talking with someone about the Book of Concord and um, was looking in there, and that's a direct quote, uh, what that guy said. Uh, so that, that first man that spoke and then knelt down uh, was Prince George, the Margrave of Brandenburg. And uh, the emperor kind of was taken aback and, and broken German said, no, no cut off head, no cut off head. Um, but he was very, very willing uh, to let that happen if that's what it came to. Would you be willing to make the same stand that he did? His boldness and the boldness of the rest of the German princes there uh, led Emperor Charles to hear what would later come to be known as the Augsburg Confession, which marks the, the semi-official birth, at least, of the Lutheran Church. But before any of this could take place, before the Reformation set the Holy Roman Empire ablaze, the revolutionary gospel itself first had to engulf Luther's heart. 
I'm reading a book right now uh, by N.T. Wright called The Day the Revolution Began. And it's not about the Reformation. It's, it's about the death of Jesus on the cross. Uh, in the opening chapter of that book, Wright says, As Jesus' followers looked back on that day, the day of Jesus' death, in the light of what happened afterward, they came up with the shocking, scandalous, nonsensical claim that his death had launched a revolution. What the first Christians found to be true about the death and resurrection of Jesus for the world, Luther found to be true for himself in his own life. Now, we don't have nearly the time we would need to to go over everything that that happened to Luther in his personal journey to discovering the gospel, but suffice it to say that that he grew up being completely convinced of, of his own terrible sinfulness and that the justice of God would never, ever, ever allow for it to be forgiven. And then one day, he read again words of Paul that he had heard many times from Romans chapter 1, the one we've seen a couple times today at the end of, of our videos, and it says this. Can we read this together, actually? In the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And in that moment, Luther finally connected the righteousness of God, of which he had been so terrified all of his life, with what Paul says in our reading from Romans chapter 3, that the righteousness of God is given as a gift through faith. And, And he suddenly realized that this righteousness of God is not a terror, but a gift, because it comes through faith in Jesus Christ. All of a sudden, Luther's bondage to doubt and despair was broken. He was set free. As I mentioned, every year on Reformation Day, the assigned readings include our reading that we heard from John chapter 8. And that's no coincidence. Now there, Jesus is talking to the Jews, and he says famously, If you abide in my word, then you will truly be my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The second half of this saying is actually engraved on on the wall of the main lobby of the headquarters of the CIA, um, which is a little bit ironic because uh, the CIA in some ways has kind of dabbled in revolutions. And these words spoken by Jesus are very much about revolution. Revolutions are almost always about liberty and freedom. And this one is too. In fact, uh, this is the only revolution in history about true freedom even though it's not a political movement or a revolution at all. The freedom Jesus is speaking of here is the freedom brought about by God's great rescue of the world and of us, rescue from sin and death and the power of the devil. And how does such liberation come about? Well, Jesus says, by knowing the truth. But what does that mean? And then what does it mean that the truth will set you free? So Jesus clarifies, goes a little bit deeper just a few verses later. He says, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Just in case we're struggling to to make the connection here, um, it's helpful to know another very important verse from John's Gospel, where Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The truth 
will set you free. Jesus is the truth. So, the truth will set you free equals Jesus will set you free. Jesus suffered and died to cover over all of your sins and to free you completely from their power. When you trust in him, you are freed by him, by his free grace in the faith that clings to his promises. This is what happened to Martin Luther. But this saving gospel, this saving truth can sometimes be really hard to hear. It certainly was when Jesus first spoke these words. He starts out by talking to the Jews who had believed in him, and by the end of their exchange, it seems that that they don't anymore. Though he was offering them the only way to true freedom, offering himself, they wouldn't listen. Martin Luther couldn't hear it for the longest time, but then he did, and he was set free, and, and much of the world with him. What about you? There's another revolutionary statement we've heard today. This one from Romans 3 in our epistle reading. Let's read that one together too. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Now this was a very revolutionary statement when Paul first said it. It was a revolutionary statement when Luther keyed in on it and emphasized it 1,500 years later. And it remains so today. The gospel militates against the way that we think or maybe even might want things to be. It resists every attempt to tame God into someone that we can manage or control. It it robs us of every notion of self-sufficiency or power over our own salvation. It's Christ alone who saves us. No one comes to the Father except through him. If it were up to us, we would be in eternal trouble because the natural state of our heart is to push God away to go our own way, if our justification relied on works, each one of us here today would stand before the throne of God completely and inescapably guilty. But as Paul so clearly and so beautifully puts in Ephesians chapter 2, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Now many of us have heard these words uh, so often that we may not always experience them with their full personal impact. And so here, at least the first verse of that again, with a little different emphasis. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. It's vitally important that we recognize that this is not some generic or abstract promise. This is actually the the revolution of the cross. The revolution of the cross is that the gospel is for you. As Jesus said, if the Son sets you free, which by the way he has by offering himself up as the sacrifice for your sins, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed really and truly free, you. It was for your sins and your weak faith and your brokenness that Jesus died. And because he has been raised from the dead, you also will rise to new life. God claimed you as his own through baptism. God feeds you with the body and blood of his son for your forgiveness. 
He has rescued you from sin and death and the power of the devil. The gospel is for you. And that's revolutionary because it frees us, because it changes us, because it unleashes us to live as God's people, instruments of his saving power, agents of his transformative purposes in this world. The revolutionary gospel calls and conscripts us to a particular way of life. And oftentimes that's going to mean a life of resistance. The Son has set you free indeed. But there are forces that are jealous of that freedom and and want to rip it away from you. You are called as a Christian to join the resistance against these forces, against this spiritual axis of evil that, that Luther includes in a lot of his writings and that show up all over the place in the scriptures. And so in this series, we're going to be talking about doing just that. For the next three weeks, we will be talking about resisting the devil, the world, and our own sinful nature. So I hope that you'll join us again next week. In the meantime, go out this week, find somebody, tell them that the gospel is for them, that Jesus is for them, and invite them to join with you in the revolution maybe even here at church. In Jesus' name, amen. And may the peace of God, which transcends our understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in and through Christ Jesus alone. Amen.